Have you ever thought about how you, as the training facilitator, can get in the way of your training's effectiveness? Hmm. Let's talk about it. So what exactly do I mean? That you have to bring yourself to the training experience. Well, duh, you are the training facilitator. So that means every inch of your being, your DNA, is invested in the learning process for your adult learners. So that means everything from the way you dress um, to present yourself, the way you um, manage your voice, which I call my instrument when I'm training, the inflections, the rises, the lows, all of those things are part of the learning experience. So yes, you bring yourself to the training experience. Now, I think that each one of these areas of our being can be a tool or it can be a detractor, right? Um, So that means it could help your learners absorb and retain, or it can become a barrier to their learning and even to their retention, depending on how you manage, well, yourself. So first of all, We all have strengths and weaknesses, right? Some of your strengths may be that you're an analytical sort. You like to analyze, you like to question, you like to probe. Now, I believe, frankly, this is at the heart and at the core of every trainer. A person who likes to probe, question, analyze, um, you have to be that sort of cognitive warrior, if you will, to be able to learn and then in turn be able to teach right? So that's kind of at the core, being a uh, perennial question asker. (laughs) Um, You have to be able to look at things in different ways to be able to chop it up and deliver it to your learners so that they can do the same. So if you are a question asker, if you are a cognitive temperament by nature, you have to be careful of some of the pitfalls and weaknesses that accompany that stance or that temperament. So one is being a intellectual snob. (laughs) Uh, Most people who have that skill set of being very analytical often can fall into that um, pattern of, um, I keep saying um a lot, don't I? That's one thing that's a weakness for me because honestly, I am that person. I am an analytical thinker. I'm always thinking, always challenging, always dissecting. And so sometimes before I speak, that um gives me a moment to even reflect. I say a micro reflection. So uh, that's what I'm doing sometimes when I do the um. So that's kind of a weakness of mine. I'm actually analyzing as I speak. So you have to bring the best of yourself as a training facilitator, which means you can't let that analytical part of yourself, if that's your temperament bent, um, interfere with how you deliver. Now, if you are a sensitive person by nature, a person who is um, very intuitive, that lives kind of by their gut. If you read my blog post, you already know what temperament that that color is represented by. But if that is your bent, sometimes when you're training, you might be a little bit sensitive in analyzing how people are perceiving your content, whether they like you, um, how they're experiencing you. Um, you can spend a little bit too much time thinking about those things and it can inhibit the progression of your training experience. It can inhibit you as a facilitator because you're in your own head by the way of your heart. 
right? You care a little bit too much about how they are taking things in. I often notice when facilitators are of this temperament, oftentimes their trainings get hijacked. (laughs) And I'm laughing because it's kind of funny, but you know what I mean. They are so kind and sensitive and they are empaths. So sometimes the learners can take over their training by asking questions to the point of disruption or even um, some have emotional issues where I've had people who cry in the trainings for, you know, not often. Um, And don't fear if you're a client, I'm not gonna make your people cry, but it depends on the topic honestly, um, sometimes people bring themselves as learners and it gets emotional. And as a training facilitator, you've gotta, gotta, gotta take the reins back from your training experience. And this is super important because if you do have an emotional moment in your training session, you really need to shift the training environment back to a place where people can learn. So If someone tells a very sad story, you may have to give the group a break or you may have to take 30 seconds to shift them back to the topic. So you'll have to link it back to the topic really fast. But honestly, if they are in an environment where they cry and I work in a lot of nonprofits where people really, really care about their work. So this does happen. Not all the time again, but sometimes. And they care so much about the work that they're doing that maybe they will cry as they think of the seniors they are working with or the children they are working with. So you got to shift it back quickly to the topic. But again, often I'll give people a break. I'll put maybe some chart paper up or something to do a quickie activity where they walk up, maybe debrief, you know, some of those feelings. Um, I may ask them something like, how did you feel before you left the break? Or how can you relate to what was shared before the break and give them some markers, honey, and let them go ahead and flesh that out a bit and don't revisit it anymore. But what you can do is during the next break, invite them to go and check out the chart paper and see what their colleagues have written. But you got to shift it. You got to do some kind of a um, dialysis on it, if you will, to get that out of the bloodstream of the training. You've got to. But as for people who just like to hear themselves talk, you can't let people just ask willy-nilly questions, make a million comments just because they want to hear themselves when in fact they are holding up and taking your training hostage. So sometimes people of this temperament, they care so much about everyone's feelings. And that's a, that's a strength, okay? Just be clear. But they care so much about other people's feelings that they have a hard time with conflict or setting a boundary. So if you're of this temperament and it sounds familiar, Don't let your strength of being someone with a high emotional quotient inhibit you from being an amazing facilitator. Now, if you're a structured temperament, you might have challenges when people color outside of the lines during your training experience. You might have a straight line approach to facilitating, which means you have your checkboxes, you have all of the things you want to say, how you want to deliver it. And then when someone asks a question or contributes a rant, if you will, uh, that could kind of fry your cheese a little bit. And so as a facilitator, you want to bring that wonderful order that you're naturally gifted with delivering, but balancing your weakness or your 
bent to control the process a little too much. Okay, so bring in your best self. You're bringing the order. You're bringing the sense of tradition. You're bringing the dutiful, responsible element to your facilitation style. But you can't let yourself drive all of the time. You got to understand that adult learners need to take the wheel themselves, if that makes sense. Now, say you're the adventurous type. You like to mix things up. You love the shock value of training and facilitation. Sometimes that could be a bit jarring because you have adult learners who come into the experience, maybe not ready to take the risk that you're requiring at a specific point in the training. So that means you have to pace yourself. You have to pay a lot of attention to training flow. You got to make sure you don't introduce high risk activities too soon. Just because you would be comfortable with it doesn't mean your learners would be. And I'm going to tell you, as you know, adult learners, they really budget their risk. Okay. Adult learners care a whole lot about how they appear to others, especially when they're in that primal brain mode where they're really um, still norming and storming and figuring out who they are as a group and figuring out who they are as a learner. So you got to pace yourself. Okay, so these are just a few elements that I want you to consider as you're a training facilitator. You got to bring the best of yourself, which usually is kind of easy because we operate in our strengths naturally. Um, They're part of our temperament. They've been part of our temperament since we were infants. Okay, can't, you know, really adjust it. You got to just be you. And I used to have a website called that. Got to be me. (laughs) You got to be you. But knowing that when you bring you to the training, you got to manage a few weaknesses or pitfalls that might accompany those strengths. Remember, every strength introduces a potential weakness. Okay, and as a trainer, we got to be so careful because our strengths and weaknesses are on blast, as the young people say. They're on spotlight. They're in front of the world. (laughs) So you've got to be really careful in how you present and how you manage them. Every adult learner, they come in wanting to learn, wanting to succeed, even the ones who are a little bit of resistant and thinking that your training is a waste of time and is nothing more than something that they were forced to do. Even then, innately, they want to succeed. They want to do a good job and they want to do well. And for you as a facilitator, you want to help them, right? So as I always tell people I coach, don't get in their way. All right. Don't let yourself get in the way of the learning, because in the end, we really are (laughs) what we teach. And I giggle because, you know, the term we are what we eat. But honestly, we are what we teach. Yes, you can have awesome data. You can deliver awesome resources in a training environment. But if you the conduit, the plate, if you will, are faulty or inhibiting or challenging the learner in ways that are not positive, you compromise the data that you deliver. So bring your best, be aware of your weaknesses, manage those weaknesses so that you do not compromise the integrity of the data. Again, people in your classrooms, people in your training, people in your workshops, honestly, they see you as an embodiment of the content, of the data. 
if you mess it up, you actually make the data less desirable. And then what the heck are you there for? right? You're wasting your time. You've ruined the whole process and no trainer wants to do that, right? Right. Make sense? I hope so. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Hey, I am at terrycbrooks.com and I am training again. I have a brave client that let me know that I could take my training and team building online in this crazy time that we are living in. I'll be honest, as a consultant, I really thought my time was over when the pandemic came full throttle. I said, you know what? I'm not sure that I'm 100% comfortable going into rooms and training anymore. So I really wasn't sure where my consulting business would go. I figured, you know what? I'm just going to be a nine to five or eight to five training person and focus in that role. I even took a new position um, in another sector and I thought this is me now, but ha ha ha, life is a wonderful thing. Client reached out to me and after speaking with them, I fell in love with them first of all and it turned out that I still can deliver online training and do it well. So I'm super excited to say that I'm still consulting. For me, the best use of a vacation day is not going to Coronado Island, which is where I love to go. (laughs) No, I take that back. It is the best use. You can't beat Coronado Island in San Diego. But um, seriously, one of the best uses of a vacation day for me is to be a consultant and train a client. And so I am so thrilled to say that I am going to be doing that. And it's going to be all online. Holler to Zoom. (laughs) Giving a shout out to Zoom. So wish me luck on that. And I hope that um, I will be back to you and before you very soon with some updates um, and some best practices on training online. I really do love training online and I'm finding my niche with training online. Um, But hey, you know what? It's a new world, a new pandemic, and it's not over for us training consultants. We just have to, I guess, adapt, right? Hey, again, thanks for listening. Bring your best self to your training environment. And remember, for every strength you bring, you got a weakness you got to manage. Hey, as an activity, I've done this myself and it's not a bad idea for you to do it. List out your strengths as a training facilitator. And one of the best ways to do this is to actually look at your past evaluations. People who have trained you are set under your trainings, let's say. Those are your best barometers. Go So go look at maybe six months of past evaluations and take that feedback and make a list of your top five skills and strengths as a training facilitator. And then I challenge you for each one of those five, examine your weaknesses. What is a potential weakness to that strength? It's a good practice and it's a good idea. And do this maybe every other year so that you can kind of inventory your strengths, your weaknesses, and even the new strengths that you have acquired since you did it the last time. Think about it. Well, again, and finally, Thanks for listening and I will talk to you soon. Later.